2: Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share their real life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best lives. I'm Jenny
0: Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. It's a fun day today, right?
2: It, it is. You know, it's it's fall. The weather is changing. We're leading up to what everyone knows is the busiest time of the year, this holiday season that's about to be upon us. And I can't help but think of... What holidays look like in in families like ours, where there have been some dramatic changes in the last couple of years, holidays can be an awesome, amazing time, and they can be pretty heavy. And and or sometimes they can be five long <laughs>
0: fires with police calls. <laughs>
2: They can. So, Michelle, uh, you and I were talking off air and to our listeners, we hope you'll join us today for a fun co-host conversation about holidays, all things holiday, but particularly Michelle's favorite holiday. Yeah. So, Michelle, can you tell us what is your favorite holiday? Because I think it's one that is probably not as common among most people. Most people are maybe going to say it's a Christmas or it's Eastern Halloween with candy and kids. But, Michelle, tell us about your favorite holiday holiday.
0: Yeah, growing up, my mom always put on Thanksgiving dinners, and so it was a lot of work. She'd get up early. She'd start the turkey early in the morning, and then she'd start with orange and cinnamon rolls, and she always had the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on, and that was my traditional Thanksgiving every Thanksgiving of my life, and I loved it. I got excited setting up the house, getting ready to take in all of these extra guests, finding extra chairs wherever we could find them so that we could set all of these extra people around a table. And to me, it was just an electricity and a vibration in my home that was just so good. And I think a lot of that was due to my mom. My mom really, I don't know that my mom ever really enjoyed cooking except that I think she really enjoyed cooking for Thanksgiving. And I feel like that kind of got handed down to me. I ended up moving away from home pretty soon after I got married. And so we weren't close and, you know, we couldn't always travel back to family. And so I would have my own Thanksgiving dinners at my home. And I hope that I, I have kind of given that excitement to my children as well. I used to overdo it because I I wanted to put everything... Wait a sec, Michelle, you would overdo something?
2: (laughs) Wait a... (laughs) Like, that could be a whole episode.
1: (laughs) Jenny and Michelle
2: talk about overdoing things. Sorry. That was a little sidetrack. Tell me how you overdo Thanksgiving. (laughs) Describe that I love to our how listeners. You called me out on this. <laughs> you of all people. I threw, I, I threw Jenny up... and Michelle overdoing things. I threw
0: that both in there. I just thought it was funny I how when nonchalant. I wake up and I find out, oh my gosh, Jenny's doing this. Oh my goodness, she's. I told her I'd help her with this, so she's already taken it and gone Don't a whole worry. different direction. Okay, I want to hear about how you overdo Thanksgiving. Please
2: tell me what. That so looks I like.
0: started out by doing like probably every single kind of side that my mom would put on oh. the table. So like the green. Bean, roll, under sure. casserole, and I did all of these sides and a lot of them that I didn't even like. But it was tradition. It was, but tradition. it was yeah. tradition. Yeah, it was tradition. So we just did them. My favorite side is actually my grandmother's cranberry uh, jelly, which I don't typically really like cranberries at all. But she made it fresh from, from, from cranberries. cranberries. You boil them. Yeah. Uh, you put the whole oranges in there, tons mm-hmm. of sugar. And I... I just love the flavors are so, it's just bursting with fall. So you
2: and John would have a beautiful Thanksgiving, just you and your kids in yep. your house and you would still go all out. Yes.
0: And my husband and would complain. Could you do what? it in
2: a day or did you have to like yeah, start no, a couple of days I, ahead? Like no. to get all the, well, I mean, that's a lot of, yeah. how many ovens and counters and space yeah. do you have at once?
0: Yeah, it. Well and I had a small home, but I did have a small family so I wasn't doing huge amount of sides you know the, the was, quantity of variety yeah so yeah I sometimes I would start the sides the day before and like sometimes the pumpkin pies the day before sure but yeah there was so much wasted food really I look back at that <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that was about my husband I like finally I didn't convinced like that me kind. yeah my fu- husband finally convinced me and then when the kids got older he said, you need to start letting these kids participate. You know, um, get them to be involved and choose. And the sides changed. And I, one one year, my daughter Hannah brought, I th- I believe it was Brussels sprouts with, uh, like they were candied with some nuts in it and Sounds bacon. Delicious. And it was amazing. Yeah, but not
2: on your typical Thanksgiving nope. menu. And okay, so here's something I have never cooked the Thanksgiving turkey. Ever, what in my 18 years of marriage or my 41 years of life? Who because did it? We've always lived close enough. So that's one thing Brent and I, we've always done every holiday with either side of our family or sometimes both. And that's a conversation we could have another day because we, we both grew up with these wonderful, loving families. The holidays were a big deal. And when we got married, the away year, the home year, his or her turn, we would just kind of do both. And for the first several years, that's what we did. His family lived in Arizona for a time. And so, obviously, if we went to Arizona for a holiday, we couldn't also be in Utah. But once his family moved back to the Wasatch Front, we would do Thanksgiving at my mom's house, and then we'd go to Brent's mom's house, and then maybe we'd go to my grandparents' house. I mean, and it got to the point where I can't say that I loved— those the days, holidays, right. Particularly with little kids because you're right. dragging little kids. Around. Guess what? Little kids don't want green bean casserole or Brussels sprouts. Right. And so we're racing to two or three dinners on a Thanksgiving wondering if McDonald's is open in the middle to try to get a little kid something to eat. So over time, we learned to kind of say, you know what? If we're rushing around so much on the holiday, we're missing the whole holiday. Now, we were rushing around because we wanted to be with our family. But we kind of got to that point where you just can't be everywhere at once. Mm -hmm. But the point is, Thanksgiving's never been at my house, ever. I've never done a Thanksgiving just me, my husband, and my kids, ever. And so I'm usually the one bringing a salad or a side or a couple things or show up with a couple pies for dessert, but not not the whole feast. So I'm trying to picture if it's me in my kitchen trying to prepare everything yeah, my with, with four kids, extended
0: family. <laughs> yeah. With Sounds exhausting kids, and you're... messy. It was. And which is why my husband hated it. Okay. So why do you <laughs> love it so much?
2: I really Let's think dive it... into why it's your favorite
0: holiday. It's not just the Brussels sprouts. I and the think turkey. it's really the tradition of working with my mom in the kitchen. And it was the one time I just It was the labor of love that I saw her doing, and I was responsible to cut up all the vegetables, and I love doing that, and I think it's been a spillover because now if you come to my house, there's always charcuterie. (laughs) Oh, very good. I'm really into charcuterie boards. I buy different kind of boards, and I like and to put them And just have it all ready to go. I, well, that's pretty much all I eat.
1: I should I'm have a you grazer. come over and like yeah.
2: teach me, train me to set that up. That would be yeah. like good for kids' after-school snacks oh. rather than where's a bag of Doritos or a bowl oh, of cereal. Yeah. If,
0: I would love to do that. Yeah. We'll come over one day. I'll, 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 we're going to turn all all this, this into a cooking show, and now, <laughs> and <laughs> now we're going to have Jenny and Michelle overdo after-school snacks. <laughs> Brought to
2: you by KSL News Radio.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. I do. I really think that that was the part of it, the, the yeah. beginnings of it, right? And then there's the cousins, right? right. So, so growing up, my cousins would come over and I didn't always get to spend time with my cousins. And I loved my cousins and I love my extended family. And I just, I really just love people in general. So the more the merrier. My family wasn't very social. My Both of my parents are not extroverted people. They didn't have a lot of friends growing up. You know, we so had church didn't often have a lot of people no, in this, your home but on Thanksgiving. This was just a big ordeal. And I huh. think for me that that energy in my home and that excitement sometimes it'd be too much for me and I would get so hyper and they would be like, "Michelle, you got to go to your room because <laughs> I was just obnoxious and loud." And I can't imagine that, right? No me neither. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can't imagine that one either. Um but I, I remember one year, there was a year that um, the men had all gone deer hunting like a few weeks earlier. And uh, we had had a cook, a barbecue, where we had had the deer meat a couple weeks earlier. Then we had this big Thanksgiving. And at th- Thanksgiving, I can't remember, but for some reason, I'm just triggered by that memory of, of those two things being together. The but deer I had, hunt and yeah, the holiday. And I had a cousin that came over and they're like, I dare you to drink this olive juice because we were putting together the olives, the carrots, the sure. the celery boats, you know. And I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13. And I am a person like if you give me a dare, I'm probably going to do it.
2: Also, also not a revelation to any of us
0: really I'm so just are so you talking spirit. like the olive juice like from a can or a jar yeah. of olives yeah black olive juice so they're like i dare you to drink this whole thing was there thing. money involved in
2: the dare <laughs> no it was just a cold dare okay keep going you know it's, it's
0: pathetic what i'll do for absolutely nothing <laughs> ego you i love that so then i i start to drink it and then they're like no 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 okay you can't drink it like that that and then they they poured it into milk, so it was oh, milk and black stop. olive juice, and I drank the whole thing. You did? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't even know where to go with that. It actually wasn't that terrible. Wasn't it?
2: <laughs> See, I'll tell you, I have I do have a lot of great memories from going growing up Thanksgiving with um, as a child, but even that was either at my grandmother's house or my other grandmother's or maybe an aunt's house. It wasn't often in just our house. We were always with the extended family, and I love that. We got to the point where we'd meet at a church. Because there would be like 60 of us for Thanksgiving, and nobody's got a living room big enough. But it's interesting now because I live very close to my brother, very close to my sister, very close to my parents. And our kids are all cousins, but really like siblings. And so we have Sunday dinner every other week at my mom's house, which is almost as big as Thanksgiving anyway, right? Right. But I will tell you that you've mentioned olives. What does every kid love with olives, but putting them (laughs) on your fingers. And eating them all. And I have so many memories of... Either my mom or the different aunts being like, no, you can't take all the olives. But you couldn't just have an olive. You needed 10. Right. Every time you came by, you needed 10. To this day, I love black olives. I really do. I'm starting to like other kinds of olives as I get older. But um, there is something about the family part of a holiday that really is brought together by the food. And maybe this, you know, this could even be a side conversation. That might be some of what's lacking in today's. Homes a lot. I know for my house, I don't make big dinners where I'm involving the kids and peeling all the potatoes, and it's this regular every single day in the kitchen. It's what can we hurry and throw together, or pick up, or order in, and then we're eating. But you think of those memories. I bet all of our listeners can think of memories too, where some kind of meal, whether it was a holiday or just a meal with grandma or cousins. And the memories that are tied to that food, that special dish, they're like, nobody likes this, but we have to make it every year because it was grandma's favorite. Yep. We have one of those um, for Christmas. We call it goulash. But anyway, so tell us a little more, what, what other traditions do you have with Thanksgiving besides
0: the meal? So, you know, I, I and as you're talking and I'm thinking about this, I really do feel like it's that energetic handoff, right? My mother... I I don't know if she actually loved it as much as we all believe that she did. I should (laughs) maybe she hated the (laughs) day. Ask her, but I really feel like there was a connection to my mom that I and I feel like my mom and I had a hard time connecting, and that was one day where I got to work with her in the kitchen, and you know most of the time she prepared the dinner, but on that day we were given assignments, and we we got to help prepare things, and I love getting the celery boats and the, the little vegetable trays and all of those things prepared. And, and I loved like creating making it look beautiful, beautiful. And, and that, that appealed to my artistic creative. And, and I feel like there was like an appreciation for that effort. And that was cool. That is a little nugget of, of that, right. but there is something there that's deeper than all of that too. my daughter will cause we did travel back to California for Thanksgiving for, with family occasionally. And, you know, my daughter remembers being three years old and climbing up on a chair and helping my mom make pumpkin pies. And she was like three, four. And even my daughter bonded with my mom in those moments. Mm. And so I just think that there's something there that we sometimes neglect to realize that can happen in the smallest of thing as in the effort of creating a dish to be shared.
2: Well, I love that you're using the word creating. And I think that does appeal to our creative nature. I think as humans, we are creators. Mm -hmm. And and some of us find a way to create in our profession. But what a beautiful way to think I'm creating a meal. I'm creating a holiday. I'm creating a memory. Yeah, I love that. I love that you love Thanksgiving
0: so much. But I'll tell you what the real piece as I've gotten older is when we come back from our break.
2: Oh, she's going to keep us in suspense. (laughs) We'll be right back. Michelle you've left us hanging what is the real gem underneath the food and the memories and the pie and the olives yeah
0: it's really what I've developed as an adult and as life has gone on and challenges have come you know so we're living in Utah we're on our own we're raising our kids we're not being able to drive back all the time to go for holidays and I realize I have to start doing all of that and life is happening right I had nine miscarriages before my first son. I had oh two goodness. more late carriage miscarriages. Then we start having these little children finally. And it was so much work to just even get them there. And because you go through what you do, you go through challenges of life. Like you said, life was happening. Right. Life yeah. was happening during all of this these years. And I really started to evaluate what is Thanksgiving about? You know, what does Thanksgiving mean? And for me, I started to create my own traditions and I started to change what those were. And some of it was hard, like stepping into something new or different. But one of those things that we did is at the family prayer, um, we'd have a family prayer and we'd all hold hands together. But then we would go around the table and before we would start eating, everybody had the opportunity if they wanted to share something that they were really grateful for that year. That's beautiful. And Not just that day, like some rinky-dink thing, but a real thoughtful yeah, this it year. It could be anything, but, sure. but, you know, it started out with, like, you know, what are you most grateful for this year? Mm. And that's kind of morphed, and sometimes the kids participated, and sometimes they declined, sure. and and that was okay. And you're not forcing them. No, it wasn't a forced thing, but everybody got an opportunity and then, of course, there were times that we included people that didn't have a place to go, and so I wanted more people to attend. And we didn't have family, and in Utah, especially in a ward like you know in Davis County, a lot of everyone's all related to everyone. Right. Well, their family's like mine, where right. they they're getting together with thirty or forty cousins who live within five miles. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's just yeah. what it is. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, my son had uh, a girlfriend one year and i found out that her single mother and their family was not included any longer at their family table oh, because interesting
2: after the divorce uh or well just- no because
0: because her brother was a bishop and he didn't want to have her gay son at his ho- home wow and so you invited them to yours so i invited them to mine and i opened up my table for the single mom and this girlfriend and the brother and his partner. Wow. And I started to do things to include people that maybe my kids were not exposed to. And I wasn't yeah. afraid of that. Right. I wasn't afraid to allow people that maybe lived different lifestyle choices than we lived into my home and open them with a loving place to be able to spend a day and feed them and just be able to offer whatever bit of love. Sure. That our family could offer and, and fun, and some games, and great food, and it was really nice. And so, you know, for me, Thanksgiving has really grown into really appreciating all of the abundance that I have in my life, and without being able to acknowledge the things that I am truly grateful for, there is no ability to have abundance.
2: Right. No, that's so true. It's such a mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a cute neighbor girl when we were growing up whose family had a thankful wall. And it was a piece of butcher paper taped to the wall, um, you know, maybe four or six feet long. And throughout the entire month of November, we would write something that you're thankful for. I love it. <laughs> and it's, it's the greatest thing. And so my mom started doing that. Our, like I said, our neighbors did it first, my sister's little friend. And now we have that in the grandkids. And if you're too little to write, then maybe you draw a picture or something. And and by the end of the month, I mean, it's just pure graffiti. Because... Right. I have found, and I'm sure most people feel the same way, gratitude begets gratitude. Yep. It might be you're in a dark place where it's really hard to think of one thing for which you're grateful. But if you can force yourself to think of one, you'll probably find two. Right. And then those two open your eyes and there's probably three or four. And especially where we have this tradition, you've got the entire month. And and for me, Thanksgiving is the kickoff to the christmas season the holiday season the whole the whole of everything that happens it's the wrap up of the year i always get very reflective mm-hmm. around thanksgiving um backing up brent died right before thanksgiving so yeah. these last few years thanksgiving has had an additional layer to it um you know it's like me and my kids even without consciously talking about it we recognize the change in the weather brings that change in our lives and for us it began at halloween Yep. Which is my birthday. And it was so great. And Halloween of 2018 was such a fun time. And the kids loved it. And it was just a magic day. I can remember the day so vividly how beautiful it was. And 100 hours later, my husband was dead. And so we went into that first Thanksgiving season, very much in a fog. It it almost felt like I just couldn't celebrate I couldn't be in the room with all the kids so happy and the food so... You're talking this mm-hmm. abundant mentality and all I could picture was loss and all I could feel what was missing and Brent wasn't there. And at the same time, I remember my sister asking, you know, if I was okay to have Thanksgiving without Brent today. I'm like, I've done Thanksgiving without Brent before. He's been deployed over the holidays a couple of times. Like I know how to have a big dinner without him right next to me. But that first Thanksgiving, it was the weight of... I'm going to have 50 Thanksgivings without him next to me. I'm going to have all of these beautiful holiday seasons. Now every year my birthday is going to come. And usually from Halloween to Christmas is just like fun and memories and, Mm -hmm. and chaos. And the time goes really fast. And that's why I love my favorite holiday. We can talk about this later is New Year's. Oh, And I think it's because of the emotion that comes through those end-of-year holidays that are so important. The gratitude, I'm Christian, Mm -hmm. the celebration of faith in my culture. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like then my my soul just can't take so much because I am kind of an overdoer. By January, I'm like, okay, you know what? Fresh start. But talking about this holiday of gratitude and giving thanks... That really hit me. I did an interview with CNN right after Brent died, right before Thanksgiving, and I remember the uh, journalist asking me something about, you know, what will Thanksgiving look like without your husband, and even though I was sad and dark and in a fog, I could not stop from just saying how grateful I was, how grateful I still have so much In my life to be grateful for and and whether that's this free country I live in the fact that my husband literally gave his life for me and for my kids and for my country and and I found myself shifting from this heaviness which the heaviness is still there I'm not going to lie but that gratitude that abundant mindset to where a phrase came into my mind and I've used this quite a bit these last three years because I feel like gratitude is the key to unlocking grit and grace And, you know, we use the phrase grit and grace, grit with grace, however you want to say it. And I think of grit is like Clint Eastwood and grace is like Aubrey Hepburn. Mm -hmm. And so we're all tough and strong and leathery, but then we're vacuuming in high heels and pearls Mm -hmm. or something. And I think that's kind of the mindset we set ourselves up for sometimes Mm -hmm. in our culture that we have to be tough, but soft and gentle. And we've got to be grateful and we've got to um, we've got to do everything. We've got to check the box. We've Mm -hmm. got to fit the mold. When in reality, I have found that when I'm running out of grit, it's because I need more grace, whether Mm -hmm. I need to find more grace with God or a family member or a friend, or I need to show myself more grace, or maybe I need to be the giver of grace and give a little more grace to my kids or to my culture or whatever, whatever thing it is. But I have found that for me, when I struggle with either grit or grace, it's gratitude that unlocks it. It's when I stop enough to think how grateful I am for the things that we write on the wall mm-hmm. at my mom's house on butcher paper or for the things you might have said as you held hands around your Thanksgiving table. And what am I grateful for this year? And so Brent died in 2018 and that Thanksgiving was very foggy, very heavy. I, I just remember we're big Black Friday shoppers, not going to lie. Yeah, oh, we oh, love, I love it. It. We love mm-hmm. a good deal both online and in person. And I remember that year just feeling like, my husband's dead. Can I possibly go shop? Like, because you know when someone dies, when yeah. these big tragedies happen, you want the world to stop because your world stopped. I know. And yet the clock it's keeps so ticking. It's so rude that everybody gets like, up and goes but I to will. the
0: store. I remember but, the first time I was at the store. I'm like these. I'm sorry, I can't, probably shouldn't say that on <laughs> air. But I, I'm like, what are they doing here? Don't they know my husband's yeah. dead? and i literally thought yeah. that and i'm like they didn't and even they, know my husband what am i thinking right. but they don't and the world keeps ticking
2: and so we we did thanksgiving with my mother's family at my aunt's house and it was it was heavy but beautiful and i was trying to kind of be positive and and then we were going to my dad's side of the family later that night just for some pie and to visit some other family and you know what we did on the way down i took every one of my kids to walmart on Thanksgiving evening when Black Friday started I gave him each some money and I said go buy something and that was like the retail therapy kicking in but I, I had felt the weight of the heaviness of the holiday and the fun tradition just felt almost blasphemous and I thought no All the more reason to hang on to those traditions. We may have to modify the tradition. We may have to adjust the sales. But I will tell you what was interesting. One year later, so that was 2018, Mm -hmm. and then the first Christmas and our baby's first birthday and the first everything, first, first, first are awful after grief and tragedy. But when we got to Thanksgiving of 2019, a year later, after a whirlwind of a very public ceremonial year, I found my gratitude list Miles and miles long. And that was like the most ironic holiday of my life to think I've had one of the most blessed years of my entire life. I've been alive 40 years and this Mm -hmm. has probably been the year full of the most blessings and it was the year full of the most grief and the most sadness and how simultaneous those two things could be. So Thanksgiving for me in these last couple of years has come to be a new outlook. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a new layer to it. And it's it's not just the food and the feast, but it's that mindset. That will always be when I started to feel the power of gratitude in relation to yeah. my grief, yeah. that those two, the gratitude could help me through that grief. And yeah. that was kind of a, a secret key that God gave me that I've realized, oh, my gosh, it works.
0: So th- this is the interesting thing about gratitude for me, and, and that's why this is the big piece, right? It truly is the key to abundance, because unless you are able to see the blessings and be thankful for the things that you have or have been given to you, or you just even acknowledging the appreciation of a thing or a person, that creates an opportunity for you to really see all the things you have. And that is where you create abundance. So I remember... We lived in this small little house that we had remodeled. That was a little log cabin house. And um, we were trying to build a house on the back of the property. You'll understand this. And <laughs> we couldn't get it passed through the city. So we right. had to sell that house and move by a lot, three houses down and across the street. One of my friends in the ward said, you must be feel so lucky to have this nice big home that you just built. And I thought about that for a few minutes and I thought, no, I do not feel lucky, but I feel a great sense of gratitude for having a husband who's worked so hard that we worked so hard to build what we had. We were able to sell and create this. And I am grateful every day for the ability to have the space and be here in this place,
2: so let's talk for a minute about that because I really like what you've hit on. I I think sometimes from the outside, mm-hmm. it's easy for people to look and say, hey, "You are so lucky. Mm-hmm. You are so lucky. You got that, or you got to do that, or you had that opportunity." And I, you know, there's good luck and there's fortune mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of um, opportunities that yeah. can come our way. But
0: I don't believe in luck. But, but
2: right, no, that's what <laughs> I know you don't. That's why I want to talk about this a little bit. If you if you're willing. The difference between luck as in it just happened and it mm-hmm. just came to you and you sat down, you know, playing with the daisies and did no work versus the appreciation that comes because I've worked for and maybe achieved something. And whether the something is a thing or an opportunity or an experience, can we talk about that a little bit more? What? Yeah. Tell, me, tell me your thoughts on this luck versus this appreciation for the, the work that goes into getting so, something. So I
0: don't believe in luck because I think luck is just like something that kind of falls your way. And I don't think... Anything really actually works that way. And I think that the universe that we live in, this world that we live in, I think it's all about connection. And so there's no mistake that when Brett was leaving in August and they were having that farewell and I couldn't attend. But I'm watching the pictures and I know in my heart I'm going to be doing something with Jenny and I'm going to help and support her in some way. Don't know how. Right. Don't know when. Never could have described what it would be. (laughs) In a million years, this would have not been the... Right. I'll help her by starting a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or or the fact that Brent would be gone and we'd be widows together. I thought I was going to help support you while he was away. Right. And yet... The very short term. Yeah. And it really started by you helping me back when... When I got word that Brent died and I, I was lost and wandering in a parking lot, I, I'm trying to like fathom this. And selfishly, I was like, I never received that flag. And I'm like, am I ever going to have this flag? And it, it had such meaning to me. It was so powerful to it you. It was such a powerful thing. And I felt like I had just walked out of my husband's dad's funeral the day that it happened. I mean... Like talk about how how bad does it have to get? Yeah. Yeah. Like how, how much more Mm -hmm. and how many things are going to happen? And you know, is this world not, not seeing the beauty of, right. Of the, just the dark and the weight, just, just the dark and the weight of it. And I feel like it's okay to see that. I feel like sometimes, especially in our culture, I was certainly LDS for a very long time. We kind of get into toxic positivity a lot where we only focus about the good and the, the good and the good and the good. I think it's really important to to go, this is a lot. This is heavy. This hurts. And I do fall into those dark spaces and I explore those spaces a little bit. You know, like I, I will spend time in pain, Mm -hmm. but then stepping out of that and being able to look back and say, and right, this is what I love about you. I remember talking to you early on and we had an and moment Uh and I'm like, she's my girl. Right. this is all hard hand an conversation and there are some really beautiful, powerful things here. So yeah. when my husband died and I was sitting at his desk trying to finalize his business dealings uh, for his company and I was trying to get some billing in and I was trying to get some bills paid and I was trying to finalize the end of his company and I was sitting there and I had a book On gratitude, and I opened it up, and I was feeling overwhelmed in darkness in that moment. But because of all of these holidays, because of all of the Thanksgivings I've had, because every year I choose gratitude for my word of the year, and it's consistently every year that because I want to always remind myself that even in the darkest of dark, there's plenty to be grateful for. So, one of the things I wrote in that book right after losing my husband was i'm so grateful to have been loved i'm so grateful that i got to know what real love feels like i'm so grateful that i had a husband that really provided for me and it was his soul joy and purpose and he wanted nothing more than just to give to me like what i i did nothing to earn that but this man loved me so much that that's what he wanted to do. He provided for our children and our family, and at sometimes he was selfish with other things sure. too. Right?
2: And he wasn't perfect. And he neither wasn't was perfect your relationship or your yeah, life. Yeah, exactly totally. right.
0: But all of these things are also true. Right. I was well-loved. I was well-provided for. I He really never wanted me to work, but I always did because it's just my personality. Sure. And I was able to take this dark moment. I think I was able to write like 10 or 20 things pretty quickly. And I just sat there staring at it. And it's like as dark as today feels, I have so much to be grateful for. And it's interesting to me today. I'm starting to date I'm in the singles world. I'm bumping up with people who have had really rough lives and they're having a hard time with being positive, with seeing where they should be grateful for, for things, being able to acknowledge the abundance, even if it is their own hard work. Even if it's your own hard work in the doing, you can be grateful that you're healthy, right. that you have the ability to get yeah, up and to You have the work. mental capacity to yes. really push through. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have family members that deal with real mental illness and the ability to get up and get to work every day is a feat for yeah. them. It's not something to take for granted. Right. And so so sometimes we aren't acknowledging those gifts. And that goes back to the whole connection thing. Right. right. So so this is it's interwoven. It's that piece of acknowledging the gifts that are there the positive nature of the goodness that are there and even sometimes i'm grateful for the struggles that i, I have that's what's so hard right and, and and i think that this is the piece that is so crazy i never knew that you could experience joy and grief in the same moment right Okay, we're going to
2: pause for a second and come back and talk about that. How do you have joy, grief, gratitude, and heartache all at once? That and. That's your abundance, but that is the abundance. It is the abundance. Let's come right back and wrap that up because I think that's a powerful conversation. Okay. So Michelle, let's talk about this grief and gratitude, joy and heartache. It's not either or. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when we lose someone or when we know someone who has lost someone, we think that after a certain amount of time, the grief will give way to joy Mm -hmm. or the heartache will go away and then we'll be happy again. Like it's this choose one emotion at a time. Tell me what your experience has been and your thoughts on that.
0: So I have experienced both joy and and heartache, all in the same breath. For instance, this might be a piece that somebody could maybe understand easier. When John died, I was in shock, and then I was celebrating over my husband's dead body. My knees were kneeled at the side in bed next to his chest, and I have my hands in the air screaming, baby, you made it, you finally made it. And I am overcome with shock and grief that he's actually gone. And I am celebrating that his journey and his pain is over. It's, it was both right. It's both in the same moment. And until you experience it, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe because you can't possibly believe that those emotions, which are so opposing could be present at the same time.
2: I remember the day after Brent died, we did our first, press moment with the, the media out on our front lawn and I sent my sister and very clearly remember thinking how important it was for me to communicate that we had heartache but not regret Like, and that's sometimes hard to even think let alone say I don't regret that my husband was willing to die for my country I believe in the principles that drove him into that uniform right. I believe in the cause that he thought was literally worth more than life itself and I'm devastated by the fact that he's not here And and he's seven kids that will not have a father by their side for the next 70 years of their lives. And yet it's and. It's and. I am devastated and I'm grateful and Mm -hmm. I'm proud of him and I'm firm in my convictions. And and to think of, you know, John, that moment, I I reflect on that so often when you told me that story, how you celebrated his release from that body Mm -hmm. that was getting in his way and that was holding him back and that was so much pain and struggle And I think that in our culture, I love that toxic positivity. And you wouldn't think that positivity could be toxic, but it becomes Pollyanna where nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. And then eventually like the whole world crumbles down because, of course, not everything's just fine all the time. How can we get better in our culture at being heartbroken
0: and happy, at being grateful and devastated? I think it goes back to connection, which is the other piece of all of this. I think that that is that other part of the Thanksgiving table, whether it's all of the people that come to join in the home or the moment that you're sitting there all connected and holding hands and sharing something that you're grateful for. It's that connection that we all matter and we all have a purpose and a place in one another's life. And these are the people that sometimes you choose and sometimes they're the people because they're just your family. And, but we're we're all here to learn and grow from each other. And I feel that that goes back to connection. I feel like the purpose of life itself is to truly learn how to connect and truly learn how to really love another person without all of the buts sure. or ifs or, sure. you know, if only or if uh-huh. they did or, or someday this will. Yeah. Or, if only
2: I can get through this, right. then I'll be able to right. love or connect or be happy. Right. Let's. Let's talk about that for a quick minute. We don't have a ton of time left. What are some ways we can connect this holiday season? And by holiday season, I mean this, this right. fall into winter. For some people, it's Thanksgiving and Christmas. It might be a Hanukkah. It might be a different celebration depending on what your culture and traditions are. But the greater American holiday season, in <laughs> quotes, that involves lots of shopping and lots of food and lots of family and community gatherings – What are some ways maybe we can focus on connecting? Because sometimes we can be in the same room and we haven't connected.
0: Right. Absolutely. What would
2: your thoughts be to share there, Michelle? How can we better connect?
0: Well, I I think that sometimes it's just the pure intention of it. So maybe we need to get intentional. So if we're going to have these people over into our house, you know, what's the energy that we're going to set in our home? How do we create that environment? How do we open it up so that people feel welcomed? You know, is it lighting some warm, fragrant candles? Is it having some nice, loving songs playing in the background? Is it being able to create a space that is inviting to be able to set that tone and that intention? And then to really just make an effort to take a moment and be present. I think we spend so much time indefinitely. There were times that I was more stressed in the process. And if maybe I just took a breath and said, I'm going to be present to be here to enjoy making this pumpkin pie with my grandchild or to enjoy rolling out the dough for with my grandsons or my sons, you know? Yeah. And I think it's difficult because the other part of grief and and I know that we're kind of both experiencing this. Grief is hard because it's individual, right? So you've got your grief. I've got my grief. My kids have their grief. Your kids have their grief. And this is the hard thing. And we're so particularly careful about not talking about our own children because they're not here to defend themselves (laughs) or give permission. They're
2: sick of us talking about them anyway. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But, you know, I've I've had a struggle in the last year and I'm disconnected to a couple of my kids, not for my choosing. And I know that there's a lot of people. Who are disconnected from their children, and bridging a gap from uh, from parenting a child to appreciating their autonomy, and then reevaluating and relearning how to parent as an adult, and have a parent child relationship that's different than the parent child relationship growing up. Sure, you know you're always going to be these people's parents, but at some point there's definitely a line of adulthood that you have to. To realize they don't need my advice or, or right. maybe they don't want it. I and mean, you need to learn how to wait and, and be yeah, patient. you can't decide things for them. It's complicated when you throw on top of that grief. Right. And particularly unresolved grief. So if you have somebody who's not feeling their feelings, who's right. not processing. Not willing to acknowledge it. Right. Or maybe they are and they don't want to process with you. Or they need to disconnect with you. Or they process
2: a very different way. That's what I'm seeing in in my own home or even just in people I know where what might work for me might not work for one of my kids. Or or what works for my kid last Thanksgiving might not work at all this year because as kids grow, whether they're growing from age 3 to 4 or 23 to 24, we're evolving. The crazy world around us is evolving. There's not – it's not a one-size-fits-all even for the same person. And I think – I love your word – Intentional, connection, deliberate. And I think it is creating the space, and that space is both physical and
0: emotional. Right.
2: Creating a space that feels safe and inviting, and then letting people work at their own um, pace. Pace,
0: right. Yeah. So, you know, I have a situation where I've opted to just give space. And energetically, I'm also putting out into the universe love. And I believe in energy and I believe in the ability to connect. And I believe that that love can be felt. And when that person's ready, they can choose to step back in. But, you know, we're all moving at our own places. And I feel like we have to give each other some grace. And sometimes we don't get to choose the connection. And sometimes we have
2: to give ourselves the grace. Yeah. I know I'm hard on myself. Let's say something didn't go well with one of my teenagers, or maybe I lost my cool with one of my little kids or something. And then I'm the bad guy and I'm beating yep. myself up. And when really that's not going to help the relationship at all, I know. whether I'm beating them up or beating me up, it's, it's that same negative energy. I know.
0: This is the other part of us that is very the same. And I, I loved it because we were sending each other text messages <laughs> a couple de- I think it was a couple like days ago. Week, yeah. Or, yeah. And I'm like, oh, don't beat yourself up. There's plenty of people to beat (laughs) you up for you. Yeah, beating you up in the world, Jenny.
2: (laughs) And I and I had to laugh at that. But I think the beautiful takeaway we can have here is, we go into this holiday season, and it's busy, and it's a pandemic, and it's stressful, and there's money issues and diet issues, and there's all kinds of things (laughs) that get tied up into the holidays. What if we just tried to have a little more grace? Yeah, a little more gratitude, and maybe. Maybe um, not take it all so serious. Maybe not, yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say that. Maybe not take it all so personally and so seriously. What if we could let ourselves be in the moment? And if that's the burned turkey or the lumpy mashed potatoes or whatever it is, I, I also love what you said that the beauty of making the pumpkin pie or the meal, mm-hmm. you can get stressed because there's so much to do, or you can just enjoy the process. Yeah. Is it is it just the bite of pie? That is so important at Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. or is it the whole process of shopping for and making and preparing and putting your love? I think there's a lot of symbolism in a Thanksgiving feast. You know, it's really funny to give someone a good meal.
0: It it really does. Right. And and from the shopping to the preparation, all of it. Um, So Thanksgiving is great. My actual favorite meal that I put on is my um, Christmas Eve prime rib dinner. Whoa, and I switched it, so I used to do turkey and ham at Thanksgiving, and then I went to just dropping the ham because because it's turkey. Come on, it's, it's turkey too much Day. food anyway. Uh-huh. and I, all I would do is end up with tons of frozen meat in my my freezer, sure. but and then I used to do ham at uh Christmas Eve. Well, I switched one time and I thought i'm d- I'm gonna do this. Well, I had no idea how expensive a prime rib was. The pressure to put on a hundred and fifty dollar piece of meat, right? In your,
1: and to have in it taste good and work and, out. Yeah. And, yeah,
0: I have done well every single time. It is amazing, Kudos. and I love it. I make my own horseradish, and oh my gosh, it's so good. And that is my favorite. And I do a little bit easier, so I don't do extravagant as in like so many sides the side dishes. We yeah. do like an asparagus, potatoes gravy from the juice and it's phenomenal that is my favorite meal of of the year but you know what's funny is if you eat with me i don't think we've ever actually sat down and had a meal i eat like four ounces of food at a time you're done yeah so you know everyone eats with me and they're like are you gonna eat i'm like oh i did eat and they're like it doesn't look like you touched your (laughs) plate." so i go to this big ornate expense and time and whatever And I really just don't even eat very much of it. It's not about the food for me. Right. It's really about putting the effort to show my family I love and I care for them. to express that. Yeah. It's service, right? Yeah. So that's the other part of the holidays that I also love. And you talk about what can we do and how do we build connection. I think it's an awesome time to really think about the pantries, the food pantries that need to be stocked. The kitchens that need a little bit more help this time of year with our homeless people. Mm -hmm. There's a group out there of citizens working hard. uh, They need donations all the time called Unsheltered Utah. Uh, They're working with our homeless population in uh, Salt Lake. There are a lot of opportunities and places, whether it's your time, your money, or both.
2: Right. Well, and you bring up, and this should be another conversation for another day. We've talked about gratitude being this key to giving Mm -hmm. grace and grit and positive outlook and energy and everything. What about the secret key of service where you're connecting with someone less fortunate than you or someone just in a different walk of life, or maybe somebody that's right now in a phase of life you used to be in five or 10 or 20 years ago, and now you're able to give the hand up, but finding opportunities to be intentional to connect and to serve, whether you're serving your family by making them that big feast or serving someone who's not got a big feast to
0: eat, that service also kind of fills you up. So when John died, um, when he was in that process of dying, he started to, to be a little bit more vocal. And every morning my husband for as long as I've known him uh, would sit up at the side of his bed. And then the very first thing he does would go look out a window So no matter where we lived, so our first home, it was a small little window. Then we had a larger home, so it was patio doors, whatever. And he would just pause all the time. And all the time, I never knew he was really processing or saying a prayer. But every morning, he started off his day with a prayer, and it was quite simple. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to give me this day to work please help me to be able to provide for my family and one other person. Wow. And that's how, how he, beautiful. Yeah, and that's how he lived his life. So I heard him doing this a few times I caught him towards the end of his life. And it was hard. Like he is now like fighting to get himself to stand on his legs that were in total pain all the time. No amount of drugs could touch the amount of bone pain that he was experiencing in his legs. And I I asked him one morning, I said, do you always say that prayer? And he's like, for a long time. I don't know when I started it. Wow. And I thought, that's really interesting because he really did do that. And he did it in small little ways. So he did it in ways like when he'd show up to a job at someone's house and the kids were in the house and they were entitled and they weren't helping out. And the the parents had had expressed their frustration with these kids that were pilferging off them. They're adult people, you know, and my husband would kind of like mention to them, Hey, did you ever think about you're living here for free and all these things here on this property need to be taken care of? Like, why aren't you doing the work? Like, why are your parents having to hire me to do this? Let me show you how you can do some things. And he made a difference in those kids life because they realized, Oh, somebody else is watching me. And so in a strange way, right? Some stranger walking into a house and just commenting on some things that had probably been talked about 500 times with the parents and these kids, right? But after, when John was sick, those that couple came to say goodbye to John and tell me the story about how that made a difference. And so, you know, there's just little ways of showing up. One day, John was at a four-way stop sign, and a lady went through the stop sign, a car T-boned her, and it rolled her car over. The car wasn't seriously damaged or anything, and he just got out of his car and rolled the car back over so she could be on his way. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing, but it happened. People on the side of the road with running out of gas, or he owed that one to the universe because he was always running his truck out of gas, but anyway, he would help people get to gas, and he would change tires. You know, so he would always try to be just helpful in his community when work was slow and he didn't have the work that we actually needed to to put all of the food on the table for us and he didn't have anywhere to go. He was not an idle man. So he would go to the uh, cannery and can food or he would go to the mill and can flour. Mm-hmm. And he was always on their Staying records yeah. to call to reach out to do that. So there's so many ways we have in our community to serve. Right. And I think that we just have to be paying attention. My goal was to honor John's life in that way. The first year I finally gave up because I was trying to do it in a way that was like, I need to do this. And I realized I need to take care of me right now. Yeah. And so it's been a process for me. But I do remember that prayer of his heart. And it really reminds me. What a beautiful man that I was married to. What a great life I have. If I never find that kind of love again, I'll be okay. Right? Because you've had it. Because I've had it. Yeah.
2: That's so beautiful. I love this. We could could talk for days. Um, We'll have to have more conversations like this because I think we're getting this insight um, behind the story. I think as we come into these holiday seasons, kind of an invitation for our listeners, a couple things, a little more intentional. Just be intentional about opportunities to help and maybe creating that environment where people want to be. Now, whether that's creating it with a big feast or creating it with delicious candles or desserts or what, you can think about how that might look in your life. I know I'm thinking about that. How can I create that environment in my home where my kids feel welcome, where they feel loved, where Mm -hmm. they know that I'm, I'm grateful they're part of my life and my family? And so I think as we've got these busy weeks coming up in this holiday season, we can all be a little more intentional about... Connecting connecting through service and connecting through
0: creating those welcoming environments. So just so grateful to be here. Yeah, I love talking to you about this stuff. And I'm excited because we're going to do this again. But I want to hear about your favorite holiday the next time we do this. We're going to come on the Uh, New Year, people.
2: fantastic. Yeah. So if you're listening um, and you like what you've heard, go find us on your favorite podcast platform and give us a like and a review. If you're listening and you have a story to tell about what you've overcome or faced or are facing in your life, please reach out to us. You can find us um email, our podcast at ksl.com or on Facebook relentlessly resilient and Instagram relentlessly resilient
0: podcast. And remember, whatever you do today, be kind. You never know the struggles others are dealing with in their own life. Happy have a Thanksgiving.
1: Day. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bye. <laughs>